G'day Dave here and uh, you're watching me on video because I'm not at church this weekend. Fiona and I are away. We were given a voucher uh, two years ago when I finished up as the National Director for FIEC to stay at a nice resort down in uh, Port Stephens called Bannisters and we're using that voucher now nearly two years later and it's a good time because uh, next week it's 10 years since I was diagnosed with cancer. I never imagined that we'd be able to go away together 10 years later. And it's actually 38 years since we uh, got married together. So it's, uh, it's good to not be with you, but uh, it's nice to be able to open God's word and to share with you. How about we pray as we look at this together? Our Heavenly Father, please give us insight into your word that we might know you better love you more, that we might understand ourselves, understand our church, and love more effectively. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start by asking you the question, what are you looking for in a church? Is it a style of music? Uh, is it an approach to the preaching? Uh, is it a certain size, a certain kind of vibe? What are you after when it comes to a church? What would you say is the ideal church? Of course, the great danger with identifying something as the ideal church is that if we turn up there, then we kind of mess it up, don't we? I mean, if you find the perfect church and then you turn up and you're not perfect, then it's no longer the perfect church. Well, I want us to be looking today at Ephesians chapter 4. It's a marvelous passage talking about God's picture for an ideal church. And as Paul writes this to the Ephesians, we need to realize that he's writing to a church, he's writing to a group of people, a body of believers, not just to individuals. And in fact, often when we read the New Testament, we need to realize that the audience that's in view is a body of people. It's a corporate uh, audience that's getting these letters. And so as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he has this to say, verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, and it's not just me or you, but it's us together, to, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Uh, so it's something very special uh, to be part of God's people. It's a calling. God has called us out of darkness into light. God's called us through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to belong to him. God's called us into relationship, into family, into a body, into a community, into his church. And he's calling us to live a life worthy of that calling. Or to simplify that, your life, my life, our life together should be worthy of the gospel. It needs to be reflected in our relationships together. In fact, you can see the corporate language if you come down to verse 4. He says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you who were called to one hope when you were called. Uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Uh, unity is on view. One, 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 over all, 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 all. See, here is a picture of the church, God's people, united together and connected to God the Father by the Spirit as we receive uh, the benefits of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the picture that you've got here, it's more than just a, a kind of club or a community. It's more than a team or even a family. It's actually being joined to God himself through the gospel 
and joined by the Spirit to all other believers, all others who've trusted in Jesus are connected by the one Spirit. We are one body together. And so as we think about this from Salt Church perspective, look around about, look at the room. Here are people who've put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe not everybody who's here, but the majority of people are people who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you have the same Father. You are now in the one family. You're united into one body with the head of that body being Jesus Christ. You now are indwelt by the same Spirit of God. You see, you're profoundly connected together. And even though uh, Fiona and I are not with you, present with you this particular Sunday, we are fundamentally, spiritually united together in Christ. And this picture of who we are, it's really got to do with the heart of our identity. Do we see ourselves as fundamentally shaped by and defined by our relationship to God and that being a corporate relationship where we have brothers and sisters, where we have different members of one body united together, how we belong to each other as we belong to God. That's our identity. It's bigger and more profound than anything psychological, anything social, uh, any, any external thing that might connect us to each other is superficial compared to the relationship that we have in the gospel to God by the Spirit. Now, because of that, there's an attitude that needs to flow. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So he says in verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live worthy of the calling that you've received. In other words, live that out, and that's going to affect your attitudes. Look at verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. There's that idea, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, of love one another. And we've looked at this verse already, haven't we? Being humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. That's the attitude that we're called to. And then in verse 3, it's fleshed out further. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice it's not create unity between you. It's not find some way of being united. It's to recognize that deep down by the Spirit of God, we are united and make every effort to keep that unity, to live that out, to be united not only in our understanding of ourselves, but in the lived out relationship that we have to each other. Make every effort to live out that unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, when you think about it, if we're united in Christ and we're called to have a humble, gentle, patient, forbearing, loving attitude to each other uh, in the gospel, then we have grace in our theology. That is, we are people who don't deserve God's love, shaping grace in our relationships. We love one another, not in order to receive back. It's not transactional, as Steve was saying on Sunday. It's not that you give in order to get or you give to people because you think that they will give back. It's to love your enemies. It's to love the same way that God has loved us. That is to be our attitude. Our relationship to God is to shape our relationship to each other. And friends, that is at the core of what we should look for in a church. And you see, it's not so much a matter of looking for that in a church, 
but of bringing that into relationship with church. See, sometimes people might search here and there. They might go to this church and that church. They might check out the youth program, check out the music, check out the preaching, check out the venue, check out all of these things, hoping that church is going to meet their needs. But the picture that you've got here is of what you bring into relationship with church, what you take with you and uh, magnify the church with. You see, do you bring in a, a commitment to be humble? Do you bring with you to church a commitment to be gentle and patient with each other, to put up with one another, to be forbearing? It's very different, isn't it, to leaving a church because we're frustrated or we're unsatisfied, they're not meeting my needs. It's actually saying, no, I'm going to commit myself to meeting the needs of my brothers and sisters. I'm going to invest in those around about me. I'm going to make a priority not of being served, but of serving others. So living out the gospel in the way that we treat each other. And that is radically different to what so much, I think, of of people's attitude to church in reality looks like. I mean, how often is it pretty much a consumer attitude? We go because we want to get. A kind of a spectator thing where we're watching on because it entertains or it satisfies or it stimulates or, or it's presenting us what we want to feel, what we want to hear, what we want to be a part of. Or, or maybe this idea of going to church where there are some people who are particularly uh, gifted or, or particular uh, strengths or particular jobs or, or, or role descriptions whose responsibility is to do things for our sake. But we're going to see when we look closely at this that this is not about what we get from church, but what we are committed to giving to church. You see, the picture here of what God wants his church to look like is a church that is mature. It's mature. It's not individual Christian maturity that's on view here, although that flows from it. It's actually corporate maturity. Uh, To be a mature church is to look like this. Have a look with me from verse 11 uh, down to verse 16. So here's the background. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, he says, we will no longer be infants tossed uh, back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see there in verse 13, maturity. We we become mature. We attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is, Jesus is displayed in us. We see Christ as we look at the way the church relates to each other full of humility and gentleness and forbearance and patience and love. Uh, So too, if you look down in verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow 
to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We grow up into Christ. So a mature church is a church that is being built together, that's growing together, where each part is involved. If you look closely at verse 16, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So it's not the minister's job, it's not the youth worker's job, it's not the children's worker's job, it's not the church council's job, it's not the music team's job, it's not the kids' team's job, it's the whole. The whole body working together, building itself up in love. That's a mature church. A mature church is we've got people working together building each other, people who need each other, people who look to protect each other and strengthen each other and encourage each other and coach each other and equip each other and and pick each other up and push each other on so that we will grow into our, our body that is our body of Christ. And you see just how important Christ is in this passage. Verse 11, <clears throat> so Christ himself gave the apostles uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Uh, so the body of Christ, verse 12, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the, the, the picture of the church here is of being shaped by and growing into the likeness of Christ. So one of the sad things I've picked up sometimes relating to others involved in Christian ministry around the traps is that people will sometimes talk about their involvement in church. I used to go to church. I no longer go to church. Uh, or I've come back to the church. Or a minister might talk about their, their love for the church or their work in the church. And, and these, these things are all good or are they? Because if you only talk about the church and you don't talk about Christ, whose body the church is, then you've not got it. It's not all about church. It's all about Christ. And, and the way to experience the fullness of Christ, however, is to invest in the church, to invest in the body of Christ, to, to be building together and growing together and maturing together. That's the picture that we've got here. Christ is to be central. And how does God want us to get to maturity? Well, we've got a template here, and I, I think we need to look at this. Look at verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. There's a fair bit in that. Let me just read the verse again. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So the, the, the first thing that we notice here is that we are called to speak the truth in love, to be speaking, and the content of the speaking to be truth, and the attitude behind that to be love. So last week when Steve was opening up 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, he spoke about gifts, uh, sorry, love eating gifts for breakfast, whatever that means, uh, we, we learnt that. Love is so much more important than which gift you may or may not have. And the only thing that can make a gift worthwhile if it's expressed in love. And, and here we see truth 
being what builds up the church, but it only builds up the church if it's truth in love. You see, you can know the truth. You, you can have all kinds of doctrinal understanding. You could learn verbatim the Bible. You could even learn it in Greek and Hebrew and not have love and not therefore build up the church. Or you might know just a little bit of scripture. You might know a small amount. You might even grapple with a handful of verses, but but you're moved by that truth to pass it on and encourage other people in love. And that can do a profound work of building the church together. You see, it's truth and love uh, that are held together. And that's why as a church, we, f- we focus on the word of God. Uh, we want to hear what God has to say. And so we, when we gather together as a church, we open up the Bible. Uh, we have it read to us. We have it explained to us why we meet in salt groups during the week with our Bibles open, talking about what it means, talking about how to put it into practice, praying about how we respond to what God has said to us. It's why we encourage our kids to be reading from the Bible. Why, if we're going to get them children's Bibles or children's books, we want them to both point to the scriptures and flow from the scriptures. It's why we want to gather together in our homes with Bibles open and read God's word together. Why we want to encourage our children to be learning the scriptures. Why we want to ourselves keep searching the scriptures. Uh, I don't know if you've got a habit of, of getting into God's word. Are you reading the Bible daily? Are, are you spending quiet time in the Word of God, listening to what God has to say to you in His Word, that that might shape the way that you love those around about you? See, that's the picture that we've got here of church. And if we abandon the Bible or if we give the Bible secondary or, or tertiary place in the life of our community, then we will not grow. And if we don't listen to the word of God in the scriptures, we will be tossed around, notice verse 14, tossed around back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. See, what is it that helps us to stand firm as believers? What helps us not to get tossed around like a reed in the wind as a church It's opening the word of God and focusing on the scriptures and hearing what God has to say and letting that speak into our lives, letting it shape our attitudes, our words and our actions. Otherwise, if we try and live as the church without reference to the word of God, then we won't love each other. We won't grow into maturity and we'll be tossed this way and that. Every new fad that comes along, we'll get on board with it. Or if we reject it, we're rejected out of a kind of conservatism that's not open to what God's word is actually saying. We need to be like the Berean Christians in Acts 17 who searched the scriptures intently to see whether what the Apostle Paul was saying was the truth. And when they got back into the word of God and they analyzed what Paul was saying, they could find out for themselves, yes, this is truth. Friends, that's why I want you to have your Bibles open. When when I'm preaching, don't just listen to me. Is this what God's word is saying? Because it's so easy to get tossed around by every wind and cunning and crafty idea. In fact, so many churches have, have, have been shipwrecked when ideas have come in and distracted people from the main thing. 
And people have had a, a, a kind of distraction, perhaps, of that powerful personality at the helm, following after them, and then they've gone astray, and they've not been looking at the Word of God to see that he's gone astray. Or maybe just other things have filled up our time and our imagination and our budgets and our focuses. And so church has kind of shifted from being the body of Christ to being little more than a social group that meets from time to time. No, we need to be shaped by the Word of God and that needs to be expressed in our relationships with each other. We need to let God's Word soak our minds and our hearts and our lives so that we can love people and love God in response. Truth and love. If you have the truth and you don't have love, then fundamentally you don't have the truth. You've got a weapon to harm people ultimately. If you have the truth, but you don't have, sorry, if you have love, but you don't have the truth, then you've got some kind of wishy-washy sentimentality that will do nothing to build the church. But you put the two together, truth and love, and you've got a powerful recipe for building the church of God into maturity, truth and love. And that doesn't equal niceness. Sometimes it might involve correction or rebuke. Sometimes it might be personally threatening or challenging. But we are called to follow God and not one another. We're called to listen to God's word in contrast to the world's voice. We're to love one another by bringing the word of God to bear in our relationships and doing that out of a commitment to each other, humility, bearing with one another, patience and love. And so you take those attitudes and you put it together with truth and you have a powerful recipe for building the church. Let's think about the conversations that we have because this passage encourages us to see that we all play a part in the building of the church. Sometimes we think it's the minister's job, the youth worker's job, the kids worker's job, some other key people's job. And yeah, it is, but not only. We don't follow the 80-20 principle at church. It's not okay if 20% of the people have a ministry of the word of truth and love and the 80% of people are just recipients. No, we're all called. Look at verse 16 again. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. Each part. Me, yes. You, yes. Every one of us. Each part doing its work to build together with the truth and in love. And once again, we have this one another language, don't we? One another. We're to love one another. We're to speak the truth to one another. We're to speak the truth in love to one another as each part does its work. You might be wondering, what role do you have at church? What, what job can you take on at church? Well, start here. Start by speaking the truth in love. Listen to each other. Seek to understand each other. Seek to encourage each other and, and pray with each other. Seek to share with one another what you've been learning and how that's impacted you. And in the opportunities that we have to be teaching one another and encouraging one another, and for sometimes, I need to say, maybe correcting or rebuking one another so that together we can grow into maturity. You see, when we reflect on, on what we're looking for in a church, 
the answer has got to be not not what we're looking for, but but what we're committed to being, what what we'll strive to become, what we will bring to church, not what we'll get from church. And if we will all come with an attitude of building each other in truth and in love, then we'll grow into the ideal church. We'll, we'll grow into maturity to be the church that God is shaping and and correcting us to be. And if we take on board the attitudes of humility and gentleness and patience and, and forbearance and love, and if, if we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through our bond of peace, and that's, that's not by ignoring hard truths. That's by actually calling each other to focus on the hard truth and, and align ourselves with God. That's the loving thing to do. Sometimes we think, oh, that's too hard. I've got to avoid that. But no, the answer is to encourage each other, arms around each other, focusing on the truth from God and helping each other to keep trusting God and move in that direction. You see, this is a passage that calls us to become uh, the mature church, not, not to look for one, not, not to be wandering here and there unsatisfied till we find the one that just meets our personal requirements. No, it's actually just to invest into church and to grow in understanding and, and soaking ourselves in God's word and, and prayerfully to commit to loving each other as brothers and sisters and, and to allow the word of God to shape those relationships in love. See, that's why we've all got a role every time we gather together, even if it's just asking and listening and then having an encouraging word, maybe offering to pray with somebody, maybe sharing something that you've been learning. We can all do that. Church is not just the sermon, the singing, the prayer, the Bible reading, the kids' spot or the program. Church is about relationships where we spur each other on according to the truth of God's word in loving commitment to God and to each other. That's, that's what church is about. It's not a spectator sport. It's not for consumers. It's actually a participant exercise. We contribute. We bring ourselves and we go all in. Friends, I want to encourage us to grow into Christ, to become more and more like Christ, and to help each other to do that. I want to encourage us to make a priority of God's Word. If you've stopped reading God's Word, or if you've never really got into reading God's Word, then start there. Start by getting to know the truth. If it's drifted off your plan, then find a spot where you can open up the Bible and read it. If you need help reading it, um, maybe grab a book that'll help you to do that. Like search the scriptures that you can pick up at Kurong. It just raises questions from each passage that you might write down some notes. Maybe get together with somebody else, perhaps your husband or your wife or, or a couple of friends and read the Bible together. Get yourself into a salt group and open the scriptures with each other. If you haven't been able to do it so far, make that a 2022 thing. I'm going to make a few changes. I'm, and if you're a young mum or a young dad, if life's really busy and complicated, if you need help to put aside that time in God's Word, then talk to your friend, talk to your husband, talk to your wife, talk to your family and find a way to make it happen. I mean, do you, husband, need to take the kids 
Um, maybe give them their baths, maybe feed them, maybe do whatever, just so that your wife has some time to spend in God's word and in prayer. Maybe that's a great way that you can do that. Do, do you, wife, when your husband is struggling for time with work and getting out or, or whatever it might be, uh, do you need to just do that little bit extra just for a few minutes so that he gets some time in the Word? Do you need to set aside some time that's not in front of the TV to listen to God speak to you through the Scriptures? I mean, those of you who aren't burdened by small children or maybe don't have that joy or it's something that you've previously had, you've got more time, what are you filling that time with? Is it time spent in God's Word, some of it at least? How much time do we spend on Netflix binging compared to the Scripture just taking on board the mindset of Christ? Oh, there's a lot of challenges here, aren't there? Let's make a difference and let's pledge to help each other to make a difference. If you need help getting into the Word of God, if you need help being more loving, if you find yourself grabbing the Word and beating people over the head with it and you need to work out how to truth in love. You've got the truth bit, okay, but the love bit's a bit of a struggle. Uh, or if you are not sure where to begin trying to come to grips with the truth and reading the scriptures, if you need some help with this, then reach out. Talk to your soul group leader. Talk to a friend. Talk to me. Explore this, but, but don't drift. Church is not meant to be a spectator sport. It's not a place to consume. It's a place to get involved. And if you want to know what the focus is, it's growing to maturity in Christ so that you won't be tossed around, so that we won't be tossed around by every new idea, every fad, or torn apart by every friction, but instead grow together, united together, bearing with each, with each other in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Loving Father, please help us to, to grapple with your word, to understand your word, and not just to fill our heads with it, but to fill our hearts that they might overflow in our words and in our actions in, with love for one another. Help us to be a church that does grow mature, where each part plays its role in building together, uh, investing in each other, uh, working hard that we might grow to be more and more like you, Jesus Christ, to reflect the unity that that you, God, Father, Son, Spirit, have with each other, that we might express a, a, even a poor resemblance of that in our relationships. And, and help us not to be in church for the sake of what we can get, but to realize that in Christ we've got everything. And so to invest in church in order to give. And we pray this uh, in Jesus' name and ask that by the power of your Spirit you'll make this happen. Amen.